Hi, this is Philip Holland, host of Hope for the Day. I'm so excited that you are listening and you have this to look forward to from today's message. And so whenever you hear someone say something about a particular viewpoint that you don't agree with, I would encourage you to, to instead of trying to win an argument, because there was a point I made just a moment ago, actually I didn't say it, but I was alluding to it as this, is that we are so focused on winning arguments that we're willing to lose relationships. That right, maybe rather than trying to win an argument, you would try to understand a person. And again, it's not about agreeing with them. It's being willing to say, you know what, I at least understand why you have that viewpoint. Welcome to Hope for the Day with Pastor Philip Holland. In our country, we live in a time where politics have run amok. Christians have never been more confused about candidates, legislation, and how they need to vote. One of the reasons for this confusion is that we are not allowing God to guide our opinions and beliefs about this important subject. In this sermon series entitled Politicked, we will find that God has not come to take sides. He has come to take over, and how that truth affects our lives is what we will be discussing. Please enjoy the message. I was just reading recently about a man named Butch Connor, and he is from California. And not long ago, he had an experience in which he went to one of his, the California beaches for a surf. It was the beginning of a holiday weekend. It was a rather nice day, and it was his favorite beach. Uh, but unfortunately for him, it was the favorite beach of many other people as well. And so as he was getting into the water, he saw that it was rather crowded. And so he ventured off about 40, 50 yards down the shoreline to a different spot where he could also catch some waves. But as he was in the water about to catch one of the waves, he saw there about a 14-inch dorsal fin coming his way. And in that moment, as he would describe it, his heart began to pound faster than it had ever pounded before. And he realized there was about a 14-foot great white shark coming his direction. As he was in this moment of literal paralyzed fear, he didn't realize that his left leg was hanging off of the board. Uh, He didn't know exactly what to do. And so then the shark came up under him and actually pushed his leg, fortunately missing it with a bite, pushed his leg up and then pushed him off of the board into the water. And then hoping at that moment, Butch hoped that the shark would swim away, but it didn't. With rather unusual great white shark behavior, it began to circle him. And then as he saw this, as he was still in the water, he saw the shark circle and then begin to come at him. He took the pointed end of the board and thrust it at the great white shark as it was beginning to come out of the water, ramming the shark, the the pointed end into his gills, causing the shark to thrash and splash in the water. And then it began to, instead of swimming off, circle him once again. He gets on to the top of the board and in that moment, as he's on top of the board, he truly does become paralyzed with fear. He begins to think about his daughters who are probably going to be without him. He begins to think about all the life that he's gonna miss out on. And then he notices that the shark is beginning to come at him once more. And it's in that moment that he realizes that he has to make a move and make it rather quickly. And as the shark is coming at him, he begins to paddle as fast as he possibly can. Unfortunately, there's a riptide that's pushing him out to sea. And so he's swimming and swimming and swimming. He noticed the, 
the shark begins to change its maneuvering and it circles once more and it actually starts to swim out to sea a little bit. And as it does, he starts paddling and paddling and paddling. He's paying no attention to how close he is to the shore. He's just going as fast as he can. And then as he gets himself a little bit closer to the shore, the shark finally leaves him alone and swims off out to sea. And it's in that moment that Butch Connor would say, I thought for certain I was toast. <laughs> I didn't think I had a chance to live. And I'm just grateful to have another day. Now, today, we are going to be venturing into some shark-infested waters. <laughs> of politics, actually. But you can know, you, you can take, be at ease that we aren't here to endorse a candidate and we aren't here to endorse a party. And we're not even advocating for policies or agendas or legislation. But as we enter into these shark-infested waters, what I want you to imagine with what it is that we're going to talk about today is, is the topic of politics is kind of like a loaf of bread. In other, in other words, there's slices to it. There's a lot of slices to it. It's a really big loaf of bread. And then we're just slicing off one little piece of this particular topic today. And what we're honing in on is this, is it's the relationships that maybe in your life are a bit strained because of this topic of politics. And if they aren't, you probably know someone who does have some strained family relationships. You know of someone who does have some strained friendships, some strained coworker relationships because of a particular viewpoint that they have. And perhaps, in my opinion, one of the elements of this discussion on politics that's missing today is how do we navigate this in a way that honors God? Let me say it to you this way. One of the biggest sharks in the arena of politics is an inability to know how to talk about political matters in a respectful, God-honoring way. One of the biggest sharks is an inability to be able to talk about it in a respectful, God-honoring way. I know of one particular family in which the mother, her, this mother of a daughter, has very strong political views. And she would often send her family different emails and text messages. And through the course of years of doing this, the relationship that she has with her daughter is incredibly strained. Actually, it really just doesn't exist anymore. And the emails always get deleted, the texts always get ignored. And now they can hardly have any time together at all because one has one viewpoint, the other has another viewpoint. One is a Christian, the other is not a Christian, and they don't really know how to coexist. Why? Well, because one believes one thing about abortion, the other believes something else about abortion. One believes one thing about guns, another believes something else about guns, and they can't even be a family anymore. And that's tough, that's tough. I'm not going to necessarily say one is right and one is wrong. I don't know exactly what all was said and how it's been said through the years, but I would say, man, that's a, that's a little bit sad. And as I've learned about that particular situation, it seems like there's been quite a bit said that hasn't been honoring to the Lord, which has led, down, led to the brokenness much more so than a different view on a particular policy or a particular candidate. Actually, let me say that again. The reason that that relationship is broken down has nothing to do with the viewpoints politically and everything to do with the way that they treat each other. And that is what we got to address today. So what we're going to talk about in these next few moments is healthy relationships, no matter what. 
How does that exactly work? Well, with Jesus, I'll say this, it can work. And so I'm going to give you four things that I think you can take with you that will help you with this. And the truth is, is it's not just political. It's really in every area of your life. These four things will help you have a healthy relationship no matter what. Now, I wish I could just look at my Bible and give you 10 verses that are 1 through 10 that would deal with this, but we can't. We're going to look at this a little bit more systematic. In other words, we're going to look at a variety of scriptures to help us to navigate this point, this tension point, this pressure point that we have in so many of our lives. And the first one is this. If you want to have a healthy relationship no matter what, it's number one, is to be inquisitive. Be inquisitive. In other words, be curious. In other words, ask questions. In other words, you might say, help me understand why you come at it from this particular vantage point. Thank you for tuning in to Hope for the Day. Our mission is to offer you hope through Christ-centered biblical preaching. We certainly hope this broadcast is doing just that for you today. You might not know this, but each of these sermons are recorded live at Valley View Christian Church in the Denver metropolitan area. If you live in the city, we would love to meet you in person. We offer Sunday services at 9 and 10.30 a.m. We have programming for children of all ages, dynamic worship, plenty of opportunities to get connected beyond Sundays, outreach initiatives, and much, much more. And do you wanna know why we do all that we do? Because so much of our church leadership has had their life changed by a local church. Because it is here that we met Jesus and he changed our lives. And we want Jesus to change your life as well. So attend a service at Valley View Christian Church. We'd love to meet you personally. We're located just south of Highlands Ranch off of Highway 85, Santa Fe. You can go to our church's website, valleyviewcc.com for more information. Now let's get back to our program. In Ephesians chapter four, verse two, the Bible says this, be completely, and I'm gonna highlight, I wanna really hone in on that word, complete. Be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. Don't be partially humble. Don't be somewhat humble. Don't be humble whenever somebody agrees with you. Don't be humble whenever they only slightly disagree with you. Be completely humble. When somebody says that they want to do this, or they want to vote this away, or they support this candidate, be completely humble. Now, what does that mean? Well, let me apply it to you this way. There's a basketball coach in the NBA by the name of Steve Kerr. He was a former player as well. Rather well-known. He's been very fortunate to land on a very good team. But it also seems that he's a pretty good coach also. Now, you may not know this about him, but any time there's any form of gun violence in, our, in America, he will come into a press conference and say something about it. Actually, to the point where maybe even if you're familiar with this, some of you are annoyed at him, you don't like him, you don't cheer for the Golden State Warriors, not that you need a reason not to cheer for them. I mean, you shouldn't be cheering for them anyway, truthfully. So he comes into these press conferences after any kind of shooting that has any type of national, gets any kind of national coverage, and he says, we need to legislate and restrict guns. It's a bit annoying to some of you, I know that. I, some of you might have even said that. But here is what, how this relates to this point. His father's name was Malcolm, Malcolm Kerr. 
He was the president of the University of Beirut in the early 1980s in a country of Lebanon. A country at that time that was rife with civil war and had terrorists almost at every other corner. Anyone of any profile, anyone with any kind of level of influence, anyone that might garner them some notoriety and attention was a target. And so you would often find that people that held high levels of uh, a high level position in any kind of organization was targeted for kidnapping, was targeted for hostages, for becoming a hostage, was even a target for being assassinated. And so in 1984, Malcolm Kerr went to work like he always did as the president of the University of Beirut. But on this particular day, as he was standing in front of a desk in the building where he worked, two men came up in an elevator. The elevator doors opened. They dropped what they had, pulled out machine guns, and took him out. Murdered him right there. Now, you might not agree with Steve Kerr, and that's okay. But I tell you what, when you know that a 19-year-old boy had his father murdered, that causes you to become a little bit more patient and loving and compassionate to them. And that's what honors God. It's not necessarily agreeing about every different viewpoint. It's to say, you know what, Steve, I don't agree with you, but man, I'm so sorry that your dad was killed that way. Whenever you really needed him, as really every son needs their father. And so whenever you hear someone say something about a particular viewpoint that you don't agree with, I would encourage you to, to instead of trying to win an argument, because there was a point I made just a moment ago, actually I didn't say it, but I was alluding to it, is this, is that we are so focused on winning arguments that we're willing to lose relationships. That right, maybe rather than trying to win an argument, you would try to understand a person. And again, it's not about agreeing with them. It's being willing to say, you know what, I at least understand why you have that viewpoint. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 12, the Bible says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And that would be really good for all of our hearts. The second thing that I think would be wise for all of us to hold on to as it relates to this subject matter is this, to be discerning, to know what is true and to know what is not. Because we have a world that knows how to say things in such a way that it's very persuasive. And if we don't know what truth really is, if we don't know where God stands with something, it can be very easily, we can be very easily swayed. You know, specifically, in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, the Bible says this there, that all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful. And so that's how you're discerning, is you know God's Word. You know where God stands, not where a Democrat stands or where a Republican stands, which is often what happens is we broad stroke it. We say, well, if the Democrats believe this, then I have to agree with them. Or if all the Republicans believe this, then I have to agree with them. But the reality is, is we need to run whatever it is that we're trying to make a viewpoint on or an opinion about on or a candidate or have a view on a candidate. We got to run that through God's word. And we got to say, 
What exactly does God's word say about that person or that issue? Because all scripture is God-breathed and is useful. Why is it useful? Because it teaches us, because we don't know everything. And we're not ever going to know everything. Only God knows everything. It's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and even training. And what? Righteousness. It helps us to be a little bit more like Jesus as we dig more into it. And as we dig into it, we begin to understand, understand things better. Just for example, yesterday, I was changing the cabin filter on my car. It's actually a minivan, but that's another subject. I drive a minivan. It's, it's not a sore subject at all in our family. It's just kind of the way it goes. When you have two minivans, one goes to her, one goes to me. It's the way it is. So I'm changing the cabin filter on this, on this minivan. And as I pull out the cabin filter that's in there, you know what I find? I find dust and dirt and flies. How in the world a fly gets in there? I don't know. But there was multiple flies in there. And I, and I pull that out, and I'm thinking, wow, I was breathing this junk in. And I put it down and throw it away, and I put the other new cabin filter into it. And it's clean, and it's white, and it's nice. And that's what this is for us. It's a filter. And it filters out the gunk and the junk that our world and media and others around us and other pundits are pushing on us. It filters all that out and it catches it. That's what is being said here in that it is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. And here's what happens. is No matter what you believe, uh, politically speaking, is you're able to look at things objectively. In other words, you might actually agree with somebody who's a Democrat, or you might agree with somebody who's a Republican, even though you wouldn't classify yourself as that. Thank you for tuning in to Hope for the Day. We hope this message has been an encouragement to you. I know it has been to others. I recently received a message from a listener of ours who said, thank you for these messages on Hope for the Day. It is encouraging and refreshing to hear biblical-centered teaching that continually points people to Christ. This is one of the several notes that I've received from people that are blessed by our program. That is why we want to continue this program on the radio, but that can only happen through the generous contributions of listeners like yourself. If you'd like to partner with us financially, just go to Valley View Christian Church's website, valleyviewcc.com, and then click on the Give tab there. Once you click on the tab, just designate a gift to go to the radio ministry of Hope for the Day. Your gift would be an incredible blessing to this ministry. And as always, we want to meet you personally as well. That is why if you live in the Denver metropolitan area, we want to extend an invitation to you to visit us in person at one of our Sunday services, 9 and 1030 a.m. If you do, please introduce yourself to me, Philip Holland. I'd love to meet you. Now let's get back to the program. A good example of this is several years ago, in this particular book written by George Bush, Decision Point, he shares an instance in which as he was coming into the presidency in 2000 of an arrangement uh, that, that he was wanting to make, or let me say legislation that he was wanting to push forth on education. But he knew that in order to get this legislation pushed forward, he needed to have arrangements and agreements with people that were across the political aisle. One of those particular people was Ted Kennedy. I'm going to read to you a little bit from this book. On the surface, he says, Ted and I didn't have a lot in common. 
He was liberal, I was conservative. He grew up in Cape Cod, I grew up in West Texas. He spent 40 years in Capitol Hill, and at least at that point, as he says, this was my first rodeo there in Capitol Hill. Ted and I did share what Laura called the family business, though. We had, we had family members who were politicians. Ted was friendly, gracious, full of life. He had the trademark Kennedy accent, a great Irish glow. His smile came easily and often gave way to a big, warm laugh. He was a ranking Democrat, though, on the Senate committee that drafted education legislation. He said, I had sent, he had sent signals as I had already been speaking about the no child left behind policy I wanted to move forward. He had sent signals that he was interested in supporting this. Ted and I were both appalled by the results coming from our public schools. In the competitive global economy, good jobs demanded knowledge and skills, but American students routinely trailed their peers in key subjects. On an international math test comparing 21 countries, America's high school seniors placed only ahead of Cyprus and South Africa. As the two spoke, George Bush said, I highlighted the no child left behind at every, at every campaign event. And eventually, Ted and I were able to speak about this, and he wrote me a letter that said, while we will have our differences along the way, I look forward to making some great progress with education. And because of that, the no child left behind policy became law. Now fast forward, now imagine that today, if you could get two, two of these groups to agree like that. On something like education that's not necessarily overly political, that like we would all agree we want our kids to be educated, but it's become political, it's, it's terrible. But then you fast forward a few years. At this point, Ted Kennedy and George Bush have fallen out of favor with one another because of the Iraq war. And George Bush write this, he said, writes this, he says, I pulled Ted Kennedy aside after many remarks that he had made about me. He said, unfortunately, our relationship had deteriorated since the days of No Child Left Behind. He said, I knew Ted disagreed with my decision to remove Saddam Hussein, but I was, dis I was disappointed by the vitriolic speeches in which he claimed that I had broken the basic bond of trust with the American people. His harsh words were such a contrast to the affable, polite man that I had come to know. I was particularly surprised given that Ted had been so on the receiving end of so many nasty political attacks over the years. One of my regrets, and here's what's key, is that I never sat down with Ted for a talk about the war. And then he would go on to say, I wish Ted Kennedy and I had had more dinners, like they had one about the no child left behind law that was pushed forth by both of them. Now here's my point, is that if you are filtering things through God's word, you can be discerning to say, I don't care what political party you're part of, we can actually be on the same page about some of these things, even though we may not agree on other things, which is what Ted Kennedy and George Bush found that they could do. But then when they disagreed about something, the whole relationship broke down. And as a result, maybe not in a huge way, but certainly in a small way, an entire country was impacted by it. Wow. And this is why 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 is so important. Test everything. And you can test everything whenever you know what God's Word says, 
and then you hold fast to what is good. Hold fast to what is good. No matter who it is that's saying it, you know what is good. But you got to know God's Word to do that. The third thing is this, is to be responsive. And the word responsive there is an important word because it's not react. There's a tendency of ours to want to react to people when they say things that we don't agree with. We are speaking with our emotions often. The Bible says this in Titus chapter 3, verse 9, But avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, quarrels about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. What he's saying is, is that there's a tendency to react with, and get yourself caught up into foolish conversations that aren't beneficial for anybody. And really, the truth is, nothing good comes of it. You make your point, they make a point, but nobody's making a difference. James chapter 1 says this, Let every person then, wouldn't this be good for all of us? Be quick to hear and slow to speak. Slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. You know, our bodies, though, are not necessarily wired to cater to this. And maybe, in a way, that's why the Holy Spirit guided James to write these words. You see, your body is wired in such a way that To learn more about this sermon, sermon series, or other messages, please visit our church's website at valleyviewcc.com. You can also find these radio segments on the Hope for the Day, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Valley View Christian Church is located just south of Highlands Ranch off of Highway 85, Santa Fe. We provide services at 9 and 10.30 a.m. every Sunday. This broadcast is made possible through generous contributions of listeners like you. If you'd like to partner with us financially, just go to our church's website and then click on the Give tab there. We look forward to having you join us again next time on Hope for the Day.